0: This is us, Creative Copes, a podcast. Two friends simply wanting to inform and raise awareness about mental and chronic illness. We plan to have open, frank conversation about how we are creatively coping in the bland landscape after the diagnosis. Serious discussions mixed in with some dark and most likely inappropriate humor. We want to dig deep into what works for us and what works for others. We invite you to join
1: the conversation. You may notice we have no fancy initials after our names, no MDs or PhDs indicating that we are medical professionals. This is because we are not. We are just two women who have experience with mental and physical limitations, sharing our stories, encouraging each other and everyone to be the best versions of themselves, learning from each other and you on how we can get better and exist in this world. Our views are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult medical or mental health professionals for advice based on what's best for you. Our guests' views and opinions are theirs and theirs alone. Please be advised that we also swear, so, this is your warning to proceed with caution. Our content is deep and gritty. We will not offer trigger warnings because life is a trigger and I can't handle censoring everything with a band-aid and some bubble wrap. Nita will give out those warnings as she sees fit. I just don't have the maturity to do so. So sit back, take what you can from our creative copes, be kind in the process, and join us on our journey, one shit show at a time. This is Jen. And this is Mita. And we are Creative Copes Podcast.
0: That we are. And today we're going to take the second deep dive into anxiety and panic.
1: That's true. Mita likes to go deep into a lot of things, so (laughs) we are going to swing it back to anxiety and panic disorder versus the symptoms that we were speaking about last week and difference between stress normal everyday stress that everyone goes through and anxiety a disorder yes, <laughs> yes. you today jen i am doing much better i am like on week three of covid um i had to have a surgery rescheduled because they were afraid with my lung capacity that it would not be safe for me to be under for any length of time but that's okay so we'll play it safe then sorry and i will say <laughs> i'm
0: sorry, <laughs>
1: <Did I> say <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs>
0: yes. yes let's be sorry Uh,
1: I'm going to die. That's now I put it (laughs) out into the universe and that scares me because I have very bad superstitions. I'm knocking on all the wood and I'm making the microphone sound horrible, but um, I don't want to die. So... (laughs) I don't want to say safe and sorry. It's better to be safe than sorry. So.
0: Yes. Yes, I so, hear you.
1: So, that is my honestly, I just have the tail end of that stupid breathing COVID crap, but I am feeling much better and I I'm getting insomnia back, so you know I must be feeling <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you're, yay
0: You're snapping out of the COVID rest
1: Yeah I'm like what the hell I was on like a roll I was getting 7, 8, sometimes 9 hours of sleep That's unheard of for That's me That's
0: amazing
1: It kind of was And now all of a sudden last night It's 2 o'clock in the morning I'm still awake I'm like go to sleep. What's happening? It's like, what, you feel better now? Such a joke. That's (laughs) me. So how are you feeling? You are sounding a little winded today. Tell us about what's going on in your world.
0: Well, in my world, I decided to do a little too much over a couple of days because I got annoyed with how not decluttered my house was. (laughs) So I got this anxious, restless energy, and it spurred me on to do some cleaning. And then we went out on cinema trip and dinner out. And um, yeah. What do you
1: think? You are normal person. Come I on.
0: know. I really tried to be normal, and then uh, it ended up with Monday afternoon. I started feeling a little rundown, and. Then the dog tracked mud prints all over the kitchen. Ooh. Yeah, because no one caught her fast enough to wipe her paws when she came inside. So I decided to wipe the floors after oh, wiping her paws. Yeah,
1: and uh, and I I'm sure you didn't was... stop at just the area that her muddy paw no, prints left. you went no. and was like, oh, let's just I do all the, the floors. Kitchen.
0: I did. I did the whole kitchen. Yes, and exactly uh, what you shouldn't have done. I'm on day two of my PEM, which is post-exertional malaise. So I had a fever yesterday and the flu symptoms and muscle weakness. And as you can hear, I'm a little winded. <laughs> so that's what I'm dealing with. No fever today because... I've been pretty much stationary. My current position is 45 degrees in a poof.
1: A poof is also known as probably a what are those things? A beanbag chair? Yeah. Yes. That's what it's called. Yes. A little beanbag chair. She's on the slope. She was falling down before we started. Yeah, it was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is everything I've fallen totally and a I ski can't. Slope get up. On,
0: it's on I'm trying to. Keep myself in one position here, <laughs> so I don't do too much damage on the recording.
1: The things uh. we do to record episodes. of Yes, all of you guys. Pope. It's true. <laughs> I wish I wanted to do video uh, podcasting today, just so we we could see Mita in her forty-five degree ski slope. <laughs> but it was a no go. She wouldn't. Yeah. She wouldn't play Kate me today.
0: No. Nope. Nope. No catering to that. Maybe someday. Yeah.
1: We'll work our way up. It'll be exposures.
0: Yes. That's part of it. (laughs) Maybe I'll post a picture.
1: (laughs) See, I posted a picture. I was drinking water out of a water bottle. And you'll have to tune in to find out if you haven't already listened to... No, they wouldn't have listened. I can never keep track of that. So. <laughs> which recording is which? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, have you heard about that yet or are you going no. to hear about it tomorrow? I think tomorrow they're going to hear about it. So Yeah, well, before
0: this release they would have heard about it, so.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, you're right. See? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> My brain does not do well with We live in the future. We Ooh. do. <laughs> That's what do they say? If you live in the past, you're with anxiety, no, depression. And if you live in the future, you have anxiety. So, yeah, so that's probably where we are at. Exactly. I'm never living <laughs> in the accurately. present moment. It's true. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what day it is, but I know that I'm probably either two weeks prior or two weeks ahead. That's a given.
0: Woohoo. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine.
1: How shall we segue into today's topic? One of the things that you had found that I thought was extremely important, and I'm sure people that can relate to having an anxiety or panic disorder, was the uh, meme that showed the difference between regular stress, which there is such a thing as regular stress, versus Anxiety and panic disorder. And we kind of wanted to talk about the disorder. Last week, we discussed the symptoms of panic attacks and how, how it affects we, us. Yeah. Yes. When, especially when we were younger too and didn't know, quote unquote, what was wrong with us, what at the we time. were dealing with. Yeah. So at this stage in the game, I, this is Jen. I don't know why all of a sudden after seven, eight episodes, now seven episodes. <laughs> If you guys couldn't tell that the American goofy one wasn't me, I just felt I should tell you that this is Jen. But yes, I it's like I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. My name is Jennifer and I am agoraphobic, panic disordered, anxiety disordered. <laughs> so that's me. I that is my biggest hurdle in life. And that is probably the the toughest thing for me to overcome. So that's Jen in a nutshell is. The anxiety disorders that rule my world, if you will. So basically, we would like to discuss how there are major differences between everyday, regular, typical stress and panic and anxiety disorders. So I think that's where we should begin. So we
0: have the, the reason for stress, right? When someone is stressed out, there's usually a reason for it. Uh, Like school, work, relationships. Maybe someone has died. Maybe you're worrying about paying your bills. That's an everyday kind of stress.
1: And it varies on levels of how deeply it can stress you out too. Like, you know, you stub your toe, it's like, and you know, you're bleeding on the kitchen floor and you have to be at work in a little while. That sucks and it's stressful. But if someone dies, well, that's a bigger stress but still in the same realm of being a normal stressor. These are things that you're supposed to be feeling those symptoms of stress about because they're annoying and they're sad and they're hurtful and they they cause all sorts of disruptions in your life. So those are the typical quote unquote normal stresses that you should have reactions to. Yeah. I would say.
0: I must also add that those normal stressors can be triggers in an anxiety disorder. Absolutely. Which can make the anxiety disorder much worse. Not only are you anticipating something bad to happen, but something is already happening that is making it more of an issue to worry about, if that makes yes. sense.
1: It absolutely does. And I am a, I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but I'm kind of an expert <laughs> on this. Um, you are. You've <laughs> had it for a while. <laughs> yes. Yes. There is such a thing as anticipatory anxiety and Mm. precipitory anxiety. So you have your anticipation of, okay, I have a doctor's appointment next week. Some people at that would stop and, you know, it would be an inconvenience. They might be worried because, say, for instance, they're going to the doctors because they have a spot on their arm and they want it checked and they want to make sure, oh, I hope it's not. Or they have to leave work. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they have to take time off. You know, they worry about money issues and who's going to pick the kids up from school. Those are normal stressors. And we want to really drive home the fact that we need, as humans, to feel those things. Those are important things to feel because they're part of everyday living. Inconvenient, it sucks. No one wants to feel that way, but it's normal to feel that way. Yes. For someone with anticipatory or precipitory anxiety, if I say I have to go to the doctor's next week, well, if you're me, (laughs) you have to know where the doctor's office is, how the parking situation's going to go, how the waiting room situation's going to go, what floor is the doctor's office on? Is it in a building that you can get easily in and out of? You're going to wonder how long it's going to take. Does... Some people, I actually like to be in enclosed places. A family member of mine who suffers from this disorder cannot be in a room with the door closed with no windows. So to her, that would be a no-go. I can't, she wouldn't be able to go to that particular appointment. To me, I like being unseen because if I'm panicking and I fall on the floor, which I've actually done. It was amazing in a full waiting room. I was at a cardiologist actually, so it worked out well. Check my heart. <laughs> okay, then it was. Okay. It was a perfect place to have a knockdown, fall on the floor panic attack where they were right there. They could just, they popped on the EKG monitors. They were doing all sorts of tests right in the office. I was like, if I was going to have a panic attack in a better place, I don't think I could have picked one. It was perfect. At least it wasn't a mall because. There is where I worry because what would happen if that happened? The what if thinking, and we'll mm. can get to that after. Mm. But so, getting back to the doctors, that would be <laughs> for someone with anxiety or panic disorder, those would be the things I would probably say that spot on my arm was way down the list of things that I'd be worried about. For instance, I have my surgery coming up, I could care less about the surgery. It's how am I going to get there? And how, you know, all of those things that I mentioned before. It's amazing how the brain works and what it makes important, even though it's very illogical, I should be more worried that, you know, if I was, for instance, if I was going for a spot on my arm, I should be more worried that it would be cancerous than worried about the 10 minute drive that it would be to get there. And that's not how anxiety disorders work. Yeah, my, my
0: anxiety is slightly, it differs slightly. Mm-hmm. but it's somewhat on the same level. I do worry about how to get to an appointment because what if I run out of energy? Um, Or what if I have a vertigo attack because I have vestibular migraine? So it has happened that when I've driven, I have a vertigo attack and it's the freakiest thing ever. So those are the things that I'm anxious about. And then if it's a new doctor's office, I worry about bringing up my whole history and what I can anticipate the doctor saying. Judging
1: you on your past. Or yeah. Thinking things or past?
0: jumping to conclusions instead of what, because if I go see a new doctor or specialist, then I am worried about something new going on. Yeah, Are they just going to gonna rely on, on, exactly, I want them to focus on the new thing and not oh, what has been going on already? Because then they're just gonna push me out of there and say, oh, it's just that. It's just what you already have. Let's not worry about the the new stuff kind of thing. But like a medical type of
1: anxiety. And it happens, just so you know, more often than people realize. Yeah, I have a physical scar from when I broke my back and I had surgery. So doctors, <laughs> they're ridiculous sometimes. I love doctors. I If you're a doctor and you're listening, I love you. You saved my life in so many ways, shapes, and forms, and I shouldn't have said that I think you're ridiculous, but in this moment, (laughs) it was kind of ridiculous. Uh. I went in, this is before I got my tonsils out, I would get tonsillitis all the time. And I needed to go for, I think I had a sinus infection because it was not going away it was on the weekend and I had gone to a walk-in clinic. So this was not a doctor that was familiar with me. And they always, you know, I shouldn't say they always, because sometimes they act like you have the plague and sometimes they don't even like come into the room fully, let alone touch you. But um, this particular doctor, you know, was listening to my chest and everything. And so I had to like lift up my shirt and he saw the scar on my body and was like, oh, Goodness, you know and that became the focus and i was like no no back up to my throat let's talk about my throat here you know we're not we're we're not here for my back my back's fine i kid you not he was ready to write me a prescription for hydrocodone for back pain i was like dude i'm here no. my throat my throat hurts my throat It's not my back. No, my back is good. My back is good right now. I don't take painkillers if I don't have to. And I thank God, knock wood, I try not to, much as possible. But yes, he saw the scar immediately. And that's just an example. You know, how silly. I'm here for my throat and you're ready to write me a script for pain. What? Like, why would you do that? That, it blows my mind, but it happens. Yeah, it does happen quite often. And with things like mine, with my scar... It actually makes me angry because the doctors will see my scar and take it obviously very seriously. Look at that. They were ready to prescribe me a narcotic for something I wasn't even there for because I am cut in half. It's a significant scar. You know, it was a significant injury, but that's because they can see it. And that pisses me off, to be honest, because there's been times where I've been there for anxiety related things and it's like, well, you look fine. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Right now your heart rate's fine, your blood pressure's back down to normal. Well, yeah, because I'm in a doctor. Like what happened at the cardiologist? I'm in a place where you're here to help me. So my anxiety is going to go down. I promise you if we go into the middle of the mall in one of those kiosks and it's on the third floor and we're parked a mile away... Take out the blood pressure cuff and the pulse oximeter reading right now. And it's going to be very different, though. So yeah. I think that's where the, the differences lie and doctors get off track with, you know, not taking into our current situations. I don't blame you for not wanting to bring that up with doctors because yeah. you want to have a clean slate with them so right. that they can maybe get to the bottom of what's ailing you that Exactly.
0: Day. Like a new symptom, then please look at the new symptom and find out whether it is it is something serious or if we actually can group it with the other stuff, not just group it with the other stuff first thing. First,
1: exactly. Right. Like
0: you have 15 minutes with me. Like, <laughs> Let's make symptoms. the most of it. Right. Unless it's a specialist because then they... Normally, pencil you in for like an hour and a half, and then you have to go through all these questionnaires and stuff. That's pretty anxiety feeling too. I must say. And then I never know if I'm gonna have brain fog. That's also a cause of anxiety for me. Like I don't know if I'm halfway all of a sudden just gonna lose my cognitive abilities or my speech and not be clear. And they will not Creative understand.
1: Alert. Right. Creative. <laughs> alert! I do this, and I think you should do it too call ahead or check on their website to see if they have new patient paperwork. I always fill it out at home when my my brain is clear, when I'm not... Because there's times where I'm in a doctor's office and my handwriting is so sloppy and I typically have... I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second. I typically have beautiful handwriting, but when I'm nervous, (laughs) I shake like a leaf and it's like almost not even legible. So... Legible is the right word, right? All of a sudden I feel like yes.
0: that's not the right word. <laughs> no, they normally send the stuff and say, please get this to us at least a week before your Good. appointment. Um, but they're always something extra that they want you to to do at the office. I seen quite a few neurologists and whomever really the list is long I can't even keep track of them anymore (laughs) but there's always something extra and they always even if they have the paperwork they always interview you and you have to try to remember everything and it's really hard most of the times I ask my husband to go with me on these occasions just in case I can't communicate clearly enough Mm -hmm. because it happens like it's The wrong word comes out because a brain frog or brain frog. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's a brain frog, not fog. Uh,
1: No, no, reverse that. It's a brain fog, (laughs) not a brain frog. It's okay. There you go. So yeah, that's
0: a cause of anxiety for me. I don't have the panic for open spaces in the way that you do. Uh, It's more of the anxiety about the situation and how to handle if one of my freaking illnesses is acting up during right. them.
1: Situational anxiety.
0: Exactly. Issues. And then uh, do you have the ones where I have to make a call? I always have to prep myself like two, three hours before I have to make a call to somewhere or someplace. That's like not uncommon.
1: Those. A lot of people no. have that. Yeah. So now, that's part now of it. I? <laughs> 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 that, that's, th- ama- See, it's amazing to me how two people... Mm. Diagnosis similar in that respect of you know the the umbrella term if you will, and then very different symptoms or very different outcomes and and fears of the things that my dad is a lefty grew up a lefty cannot write a check in public it was phobic to the point where I actually couldn't do it and walked out of a place one time and this is back in like the the late seventies where you were like you could write checks for groceries for instance. Mm. Uh, there were times he'd have my mom fill out everything except money that you have. Oh, yeah, to put, of course. Yeah. But he was like, and he would sign it ahead of time. I mean, it, it was devastating to him. You know, it was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he's gotten much better. But so the, those situational or specific phobias, um, I, I suffer from a metaphobia. I actually learned that as far as specific phobias go, it is one of the I believe it's the most untalked about, but most common uh, specific phobia. And a metaphobia is an irrational fear of vomiting. And let me tell you, every time I say that, everyone's first response to me is, nobody likes to throw up, Jen. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, <laughs> here we go again. And I hate admitting that because it sounds silly because most but people now don't you're like di-
0: Yeah, up. now you're diminishing your own experience though by saying that it's not silly i mean it's kind of it's a no it's a <laughs> it's a very real thing for you and it it's probably based in trauma right
1: the thing is is yes it is and it would make sense if say for instance when i was a kid i threw up in public and embarrassed myself or i choked or something you know what i mean if there was a a moment that i could refer to it would have i guess made more sense but i remember being eight years old and having this phobia. So I had it already. Like I already, I mean, I used to ask my mom, this is how fucked up I was. I used to ask my mom almost every night before I went to sleep for a while. I was like, am I going to throw up tonight? And she'd be like, no, why would you, (laughs) you know, like, no, you're good. Why would you think that? And I'd be like, okay, But just her saying, no, I wasn't going to, was enough to calm me, I guess. And I was content with that. I used to swig. I don't know if you had this in Sweden, Pepto-Bismol, the pink shit that's in the refrigerator, the stomach. Yeah,
0: that's something I got more used to moving here. It's a a thing, I think, because of... The diet that people Ah, keep, but whatever. (laughs) That's a whole nother story. Yes. Yes, I am familiar with Pepto.
1: Yes. So it was kept in I think every American's refrigerator, like growing up in my generation. And I used to go downstairs every day before school and take a swig out of this bottle because in my brain, I thought that it was going to prevent, no one knew, but I thought it was going to prevent me from throwing up.
0: I can't. No one knew, but now they know. It's true. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I did. <laughs> I used to swig right off the... And how gross is that? I used to swig right off the bottle of it. Too. But see, I was very sick was like, I would like pour it gently in and I would only take little amounts. But in my mind, just that little bit of, a, of an amount was going to keep me from getting sick. And then I actually did have a trauma when I broke my back. I had a nasogastric tube. And I was intubated. And uh I think that kind of played into my emetophobia. So now I am a full-blown emetophobe. For instance, last night I woke up at 317. I used to have a thing where if I woke up at two or four, I used to think that I was gonna vomit because when I was a kid, I used to wake up around two and around four. And it always seems why do kids always puke in the middle of the night? It's so sad. It's just <laughs> that seems to happen a lot. It's like yeah, you just hear that. Mom, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> you know what's coming. A good mom would respond with, let me come in and, and comfort you. And this is going to be my confessional that I am not a good mom. And I would go into a complete freeze. One time, my daughter, do- luckily, my husband was home. It was in the middle of the night. Um, I panicked so badly that I didn't know what to, I couldn't move. I couldn't, I, I was stuck. I was, I stood in the hallway and I I could hear her and hearing her freaked me out. And I wanted to be there for her. So I was talking to her from like the hallway and getting teary-eyed thinking about it, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> but um, I couldn't comfort her. I couldn't go in and help her to the bathroom. I stood there and I was like, okay, I'll do the sheets. And that was like my contribution, I guess, to to helping. And that haunts me because I couldn't go, I couldn't move. And I did, I I was able to strip her sheets. I wouldn't breathe. I put on gloves. My heart was out of control, getting like antsy just thinking about it. But that was how um, serious or how serious one of a specific phobia can be when your own child is getting sick and calling for you. And you're torn because you. If she had a cold, I would cuddle her and coddle, you know, and I, I'd be all up on her and be like, "Oh, my poor baby," you know, hugging on her everything, lay in her bed, rub her back until she fell asleep, all that. If she had a stomach bug, I feared her, and I feared getting it, and I would push myself to do a lot of the things, but sometimes I couldn't be in the room when she was doing it, and. I still beat myself up for it because it's heart-wrenching, but that fear of catching it overpowered my abilities as a mom to go in, and that haunts me. Confession time, people. I am a bad mom. (laughs) No, you're not a bad mom. We hope you're enjoying this episode, fellow Creative Copers. If you'd like to join the conversation, have suggestions or feedback, feel free to message us on Instagram, comment on our posts, or email us at creativecopes at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you. It would also be super cool
0: if you join the conversation by posting about your Creative Copes on social media. Just add the hashtags Creative Copes and Creative Copes podcast so we can find you and potentially share on our Instagram social handle.
1: Don't forget to read and subscribe to our blog, Wisdom Walks, on our website, creativecopes.wixsite.com forward slash podcast forward slash wisdom walks. Again, that is creativecopes.wixsite.com forward slash podcast forward slash wisdom walks. Don't forget to love, follow, share, subscribe, and hit the notification button wherever you can find us. Your continued support means the world to us, and it inspires us to continue providing content. Please and thank you. That's how real, I I guess maybe that's... A phobia can be. Yeah, it is. and. I want to say, you know, like everyone talks about those Herculean moments, like when their child, you know how those news stories where a child is hit by a car and there's someone that can like lift, up lift a car? the car. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, I couldn't even move while I stood in the hallway while my kid vomited. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why didn't that Herculean moment happen? Like I should have overcome my panic and my fear and be there for her and i just couldn't do it at that time and ooh it's It's very real. So for people that do suffer from specific phobias, I see you, I hear you, I can relate to you, and I'm sorry that you have to go through that. And it's hard. It is hard because it diminishes you as a human, as a mom, as a person, as a woman, as a child, as a parent, as everything. There's a lot of shame that goes along with this disorder because people just look at you and go, well, just do it. Or me to just go to the doctors, you're fine. Just drive, you're fine. You know, you feel fine now, you're fine. Jen, yeah, just go, you know, you park. You walk five thousand steps a day. I think you can walk from the parking lot into the, the building. Logically, they are all correct. And that's the part that kills me. If we all lived in a logic world, then logic world logical world, yes we would all be able to do everything and and there would be no problems and you know there'd be no psych- no need for psychiatric or psychology and you know all these fun things but <laughs> yeah super fun. <fine>. exactly <laughs> but unfortunately yes! we do oh, yeah <laughs> you know so we have to cut ourselves a little slack me being one of them i'm i'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that it is important for other people to hear that it's yeah. real We're not perfect, just because you have that parent label on you. Yeah, I would have liked to have been there, and I would have liked to have been more comforting. And but I also didn't want her to see me panic while she's already sick and upset. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. So, we all have our illogical reasons, I guess.
0: It's not rational, is it?
1: No, and that's 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 kind (laughs) of yeah.
0: No, that's part of anxiety and panic. It is not rational.
1: Not at all.
0: Your body reacts and you don't really have a say. The rational part of your brain does not have a say when it happens. All you can do is just trying to handle that moment, which is, you know, grounded techniques and the way to prevent stuff to escalate to the point where you do have a bodily reaction to whatever situation, even if it creeps up on you and you're not aware of it, is through creative coping skills, which is
1: why we're here. What we do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, some people, they work well on medication and some people don't. It's like you have to find what works for you and then apply it and then do the best you can. And that's really all you can do. Get up every morning. Yeah. You get up every morning and you just decide that today I'm just going to do the best I can. And if the best I can is just staying in bed all day, then
1: <laughs> all right then. <laughs> Sometimes that has to be enough. Yeah. And it's a hard truth to to swallow because Mita and I were speaking of that the other day. I, you know, with this COVID shit, I, I was looking at my family and they've all recovered beautifully, you know, and it's like, what's wrong with me? Why is it taking me so long? What, you know, why can't I catch up? Why, what am I doing wrong? I'm drinking, I'm eating, I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing everything according to the instructions of what I'm supposed to be doing, just like they did. But it's taking me twice as long to get better. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you have a chronic or invisible illness or a mental illness. You know, it's like, what is wrong with me what makes me different and you could perseverate on that for forever (laughs) you don't that's a path sometimes you don't want to go down so
0: yeah I don't think you should ever say what's wrong with me that's like my life
1: motto (laughs) well you can say
0: what ails me I think that's better Mm -hmm. instead of saying what's wrong because that has a very negative tone to it in my opinion
1: my no it
0: absolutely opinion. does i mean i i try to be normal this past weekend and look at me now at 45 degree angle lying down and getting winded so
1: i was <laughs> like it you, you just and normal's another word that we have to be
0: you know because i say it with a tongue in cheek
1: seriously I, no i do I too just, and
0: it's like I just, you can't Normal is just an average of a hundred people divided in half. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's just an average. That that's what tip is considered. What should yes.
1: come out? And but
0: the <laughs> thing is, all these hundred people can have various different things going on. So when you divide them by whatever to get the normal, then that doesn't really give a true picture either. It's just an average of all the people. Where but it's not. It's With not all these true.
1: comorbid symptoms right. and, and you diagnoses. Just,
0: it's not a true picture because, as we all know, it's all subjective. No matter right. yep. the situation in our lives, it's all subjective.
1: We all come with baggage, and sometimes that baggage will kind of creep in and affect other components of our lives and a lot to unpack. So <laughs> yeah. I think... We have to be easy with one another and with ourselves, so yes, so we got into uh, some specific phobias a little bit and some precipitatory and anticipatory anxiety, yeah, um, as far as anxiety and panic disorders go?
0: So an anxiety attack. I figured I'd go with anxiety attack and you can just go into the panic attack mode. (laughs) Um, Not literally.
1: Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That That would be so much fun. We'll just have Jen have a panic attack on air. Let's listen to her, guys.
0: Yes. No. (laughs) Your general anxiety That intensifies over a longer period of time. So when you reach the point of it feeling and everything feels overwhelming, that's when the anxiety goes into attack mode, if that makes sense. And the symptoms is usually muscle tension, disturbed sleep, difficulty, focusing and concentrating, extra fatigue that you don't really have a good reason for, feeling restless and irritable, and you startle easily.
1: Oh, my startle reflex is the worst. Oh my
0: God, same here. (laughs) Like sometimes. I I can hear the people come behind me, but I still startle when I turn around and I see them. Oh, I know. I'm like, what the
1: and they get so offended too it's like you know it, especially if it's like a loved one and they come up like behind you to like, right cue and like give you a hug or something and your body like she like don't touch me what happened like, i'm sorry it's <laughs> fine just it's my body it just does that it doesn't make any yes.
0: sense. no offense
1: exactly <laughs> the touch makes me yes.
0: flinch
1: i'm so sorry
0: <sighs> well you can have increased heart rate too and yeah. uh shortness of breath So my shortness of breath right now is because of post-exertional malaise, not because I'm anxious. FYI. And then then dizziness. Obviously, the symptoms can be persistent and long-lasting. But this versus a panic attack, which is what, my dear?
1: As far as panic attacks, they're very similar in wording. I mean, you have those symptoms of an anxiety attack. Along with them, you have the sense of impending doom. Hmm. That's a big one. A fear of loss of control, fear that you might die, fear that you might have a heart attack. Those are very common panic disorder symptoms. You still have the rapid heart rate, sweating, trembling, shortness of breath, all those things. But what happens when it becomes an anxiety attack or a panic attack and then it moves over into the realm of panic disorder is when you start fearing having another one. So if I am in an elevator, or you or anybody who's listening, and I have a panic attack, it's just human nature to associate, I was in the elevator, you might associate what time of day it was, you might associate who you were with or if you were by yourself, you might associate if you had eaten that day or didn't eat or how you were feeling or what building you might have been in getting in that elevator. It's a little bit like a Pavlov's dog kind of situation. Absolutely it is. And it will stick in your psyche. (laughs) It's amazing how strong our minds can be and will take in everything going around us during that panic attack. And what will happen if you, not always and not to everyone, but if you have panic disorder or are on your way to having panic disorder, what happens is you start to fear that particular elevator because last time I felt horrible in it. So I'm going to not use that elevator in this specific mall. I may still use the one in my doctor's office and maybe at the office where I work, what have you. But that one, eh, it's leaving me a little uncomfortable. Then over time, you might start to avoid elevators altogether. It's basically an avoidance. I think what the the main factor and difference between attacks versus disorder is avoidance. You start to avoid things. Your world becomes smaller and smaller. The main goal is to meet it head on. You want to get to the bottom of what is causing this adverse response to something that probably had nothing to do with you might have just maybe you were feeling a little off that day maybe the air conditioning wasn't working and it felt hot in there and they weren't actually you know it but all of those symptoms together now you've had this panic attack and you're going to fear having another one the avoidance if not dealt with immediately can bring you to agoraphobia which is what i suffer from and with every single day of my life and which keeps me in my home for the majority of my days, even though I'm in the process of working through it and in therapy to overcome it, the longer you go, if that could be the one piece of advice that I can give anyone, if you have a panic attack, I implore you, (laughs) go back to the place where you had it immediately. If you had it two days ago, I want you to go back to the place that you had it and do whatever you were doing again. The longer you wait in between, the more time your brain has to convince you that it is a dangerous place. You were right for running. You shouldn't go back there. It's our body's way of protecting us. It doesn't know that it's being irrational. It thinks it's actually helping us. It's like, hey, that was horrible how you felt the other day on that Macy's elevator. We don't want you to feel that way again. So don't go on it. Yeah. The best thing to do is go on (laughs) it. Because the longer you fear it, the harder it is to dig yourself out of that hole. That
0: makes me think of when I was seven years old, I was taking riding lessons on horses, horseback riding lessons. Mm -hmm. And this one afternoon when I was there, I was on the most skittish horse in the whole stable. And I didn't want to be on her because I knew she was skittish, Mm -hmm. but we had these older kids helping out, holding on to the horses while we were learning how to ride. Then obviously my helper had to leave early. So she tried to sneak out, but when she closed the door, this was an indoor paddock. Uh When she closed the door, the horse just panicked Uh with me on top. It went around the whole freaking paddock out of control, and I got thrown off. Oh, wow. It was not fun. And I knew it was going to happen because I knew this particular horse was very skittish.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But what the teacher did was get me up on the horse immediately even though I didn't want to get back on her I'm so glad she did yeah
1: that's the as much as you probably hated the teacher hated the horse hated everything about life in that moment but
0: she got me back on the horse and then just held the horse still for the for the rest of the lesson so that I would just sit on her but yeah that that's something that it sticks with you it does after that I insisted I'd get the calmest horse in the stable. So <laughs> that's okay uh, I'm like, though. Ahead of time just put me on this horse and then don't let anyone else have that horse cuz I want him. He's calm. <laughs> but see that's- And they went along with that after I got thrown off. I'm like, okay. Absolutely. good.
1: <laughs> that's fair though. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I think that's Needs to be taken into consideration in, you know, here we are today. You know, there's going to be things that you're going to have your list of cans and cannots. You know, it's like, I, like, if you told me right now, okay, why don't you just drive up to Chicago? It'll be amazing. (laughs) Like, it would be amazing. Convince me. (laughs) Right. It would be. And I would love to. But the not driving for 20 years is probably going to be be a big reason why that would be too much of a reach per se yeah but having that with like you said as far as you're allowed to you wanted a particular horse you you felt comfortable with a particular horse and Mm. that allowed you to still be you know I mean you were still probably afraid of getting tossed off because no one wants to get it's almost like that a metaphobic thing. It's like, right. oh, no one likes it, Jen. Well, no. Right. And no one likes getting <laughs> thrown off horses either. But you know what? You can pick which horse you want to get on.
0: Well, so. I didn't bring it up to try to diminish the experience. I was trying to bring it up as a more of a metaphor for it.
1: No, absolutely. And that's that's the the truth that it happens in, in life in so many situations. Yeah. I think that we're all allowed to have like certain things that we're just like, okay, I, I will be flexible You're, with this right. i'm not going to be flexible here right I, this is yet.
0: my this is my boundary and i don't want to overstep it yeah cuz every time i've overstepped it it has not worked out for me <laughs> yeah it can get ugly right. and
1: scary and sad so, and
0: bad <laughs> i think that was an important lesson to to learn that i can actually say even at 7 years old that hey that was that was not cool and i'm not okay with Riding her again, so can you please put me on the calmest horse from now on?
1: Absolutely. So, Just the the, the I, will that you had to speak up for yourself was impressive at seven. To be like you recognized your feelings about it and you spoke up, which is the wooden spoon spirit. Yes, it is. It is that wooden spoon. You're gonna stir some shit up. You were stirring shit up at seven, girl. <laughs> it's true.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: If I may, I yeah. have a little story um, that redeems my parenting. <laughs> <laughs> um, some years back, the motorized scooters were all the rage, oh, the electric yeah. scooters. Hmm. My daughter had one and she was all pumped and excited to use it. It's outside. It, I think it went like five miles an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot oh, it but is.
0: for a little person. <laughs> yes, it is pretty fast. Yeah. Yes.
1: She had ridden it, you know, just for a few seconds here and there on Christmas Day. But a couple of days later, she's riding it and she's feeling a little bit more confident on it. She's got it at the full five miles an hour, and then has to stop and doesn't remember, you know, how do I do this? How do I stop correctly and safely? And mm. she falls on her chest on the the road, basically. And she did hit her head. I, of course, am like, oh, my God, this child, did she fucking break her neck? Because my, like, once <laughs> did you have a spinal cord, her neck? <laughs> no, 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 not finally. I was like, oh, my God, did she, oh, my God, did I, I didn't mean to say if it sounded like finally or if I did say finally, God forbid, I meant like, did she actually, like, did she, I was afraid she actually broke her neck. And I think once you have a spinal cord injury, you immediately think everybody yeah. breaks their neck. So yeah. that was my thing. I was like, oh, my God. So I... <laughs> But I was very good in front of her. I can do that. It's amazing. I can be having a full-blown panic attack. And sometimes people are like, I didn't even know you were anxious. I'm like, yes, I did it. Look, (laughs) I'm like a master of this craft now. But anyway, so my husband picks her up, lays her down. She passed out in his arms, like straight up passed out. And we're like, oh, my God. You know, and I'm like, and then she went to say something. And she's like, what happened? And passed out again. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Make a long story short. They had checked her. She was Okay but they wanted to do an MRI of her head. She's never seen me panic as far as having MRIs or any sort of medical procedures or anything like that. So she's never learned that MRIs would be scary, but Mm -hmm. she was scared that she had to have a test So we're in the car on the way there and I was having my own anxiety because I was afraid that I was not going to be able to make it to the place because it was further outside of my safety zone. So this is fantastic, putting like all these like anxious components together. I'm trying to hide my anxiety. So I calmly and quietly lean over. Maybe you should bring me home so I don't make this worse. She hears that. She's like, you're... I need you. You're coming with us. I'm not doing this without you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. At this point, I am at a crossroads. I am like, I am going to be super mom today. I'm going to push through this. And I reached into my purse. I'm not going to lie. I grabbed two Xanax out of a bottle, threw them back. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I was like, all right, let's do this. So we go to the MRI place. We get there. She looks at me and she's like, I'm not going in. And I'm like, how does this fucking kid know? She was young. Like, how did she know that an MRI was going to be scared. But for some reason, she was panic-stricken. And I'm like calm as can be with these kinds of tests. So I'm like, this is so odd that I'm the calm one as far as the tests go. You know what I mean? Like it was a a little flip of things. So I got to be like, quote unquote, the hero for a minute. I talked her down. I was like, okay, listen, we're going to walk in. We're going to sit in the waiting room. We're going to fill out our paperwork. We're going to see how you feel. If we need to step outside, we're going to come outside. We'll come back to the car. We'll walk back to the car to show you that we can walk back to the car. Sure enough, we get in there. She's like, I can't. Okay, let's walk back to the car. I let her walk back to the car. I said, but we have to promise that we're going to walk back in. But we can't. I will show you that we can walk back. We did. We're sitting in the waiting room. There's like no one in the waiting room, which was fabulous because that was kind of a good thing, but not great because it would have maybe taken her mind off of things a little bit. But um, you can hear the MRI machines; they're very loud, and you can yeah. hear them. So she hears it. She's like, "What's that noise?" And this is my opening to that's actually the machine that takes the pictures. This you're you're just having pictures taken. She went into full meltdown. I spoke with the lady at the front desk. I said, "Listen, my daughter is panicking at this point. She needs this test. I am not going to let her leave without having it because if we walk out that door right now, I'm ultimately telling her and her brain that there is something to be scared of." And this will stay with her for the rest of her life. It's like you not getting back on the horse. If you didn't right. get on that horse, you probably never would have rode again. <laughs> so right. at this moment, I was like, nope, I have to say if she wasn't overly helpful, but she wasn't shitty with me either. I said, is it okay if I take her just to the doorway? We will not interrupt, knock, anything like that. I just want to show her where the door is from the waiting room. They said, okay. So we walked down the hallway. I said, this is the room where the the test is going to take place. And we walked right back to the waiting room. That brought her level down. Then they call her, her name. She's ready to go. I think if she had been there with my husband by herself, he said it. And he told me, he was like, Jen, I, I honestly would have taken her home the way she was acting. And because she was tantruming. I mean, it is what yeah. it is. She was having a hard time. And yeah. it's embarrassing sometimes when you can't get them to stop. And he also didn't want to put her through that. I was like, no, we're not leaving. So we went, they called her back. I said, listen, we're going to walk into the room. I will make a deal with you. We'll walk back out if you need a minute. So on and so forth. We did. We walk in. She's like, out of here. Okay. We walk back to the waiting room. I said, let's catch our breath. Went back in. Then she gets on the table. She lays down. She freaks out. She's like, no, no. I mean, she would not sit still. They couldn't get the neck brace on her. It was a mess. Mm. So it's like, okay, I'm going through all of these coping strategies in my head of what I have been taught through the years. I'm like, I want you to lay down for five seconds and then you may sit up. I mean, these people are probably pissed as fuck with me because I'm taking time, but I am working through this with her Mm. and she's crying and she's, she's like, okay, she trusted me that, you know, she can lay down and then I would let her sit back up and she did. And she's like, okay, I said, look, that's all we need you to do is just lay down. And then when it was time to push her into the thing, I said, could you push her in and then pull her right back out so she can see that she will go in, but it can come right back out. I said, we're not going to start the test yet. Boom, in, came out. She did it. She wanted to get off the table. I said, no, no, we have already gotten off the table. That was our time. Remember, you said you're going to sit now just for a second, catch your breath. But now the next step is we're going to do the test. They gave me an apron. I stood at the end. Now I'm full of metal. mind (laughs) All I can think of was like, it's going to be like some, what is that? The matrix or some sort of shit. Like I'm going to stick to like the MRI machine. That's all I can picture in my brain. And I'm going to scar this kid for life. So they give me this heavy apron. I'm standing on the outside of her <laughs> MRI machine. And I'm hold, I'm like touching. I said, can I touch her leg? Because she was in there for her brain. They're like, yes. So I said, okay. I said, I'm gonna tap your leg. And when I tap your leg, I'm gonna tap it with the B of this very loud machine. So mm-hmm. you know I'm here and everything's fine. And then when it stops, if you're gonna hear it stop, that means they're gonna, you know change out the film or whatever they have to do, but it doesn't mean it's over, but I'm here and I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to play like a beat on your leg. And that's what I, as I'm doing it right now. So needless to say, it was a 45 minute test. That's what I did for the whole 45. I kid you not. We pulled, they pull her out. She goes, that was so much fun. Can we do it again? I'm like, what? Oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> it says weird. Okay. After all of that, that was fun to you. And can you do it again? But that showed, I was Because in my brain, I'm like, this kid, if she ever has to have, God forbid, I hope she doesn't ever have to have another one for any other, you know, medical reason. But a lot of people have fears of MRIs. They have to be sedated or they have to, you know, have the open ones, what have you. This kid went from an hour and a half of just white knuckle, I'm not doing it, tantrums, anxiety, panic, what have you, to being pulled out and straight face. That was so much fun, mommy. Can we do it again? I was like, you're the weirdest child ever. I love you. Let's go. (laughs) So we left. On the way home, I received a compliment. You know, I was told I wouldn't have stayed with her. I would have taken her and you know, just said, all right, I'm sorry. We can't do the test and took her home. That would have been detrimental because that's what happened in my life so many times. Not to anyone's fault, but once you are taken out of the situation, your brain interprets it as see there was something to be afraid of. Aren't you glad that they saved you and they took you out of that dangerous situation? So to make a very long story short and end at that moment, that is what happens. That is a full exposure of breaking things down into steps, doable steps, and Maybe, just maybe, had we prevented a uh, fear of MRIs in the future for for my child. So let's keep our fingers crossed and, and hope that it worked. But
0: and applaud the effort. I, thank you. You know what? I will take See, that. Say I'm applause. applauding.
1: Thank you. I'm going to applaud go. too with that yes. because that was, that was oh. rough. I didn't want my anxiety of getting there to affect her and... Ultimately, it was me being there that allowed her to do the test. So it was like one of those aha moments. I was like, thank you for letting me overcome that fear that I had and help her because I could advocate for her. I knew Mm. what would make me feel better in that situation. And maybe had I had been exposed to things in a different way many moons ago, I might not be sitting here where I am today.
0: In front of a microphone talking about it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Not that I don't love talking about it or talking in general. I mean, obviously, I listen, to it, you're like, shut up. It's time to wrap it up. <laughs> you have talked enough, but yes.
0: Well, to that and <laughs> I think this is a good time to actually
1: sum it up, shoot the shit and wrap it up sounds like a good plan since i um probably have overstayed my creative copes welcome on the microphone today i apologize <laughs> i was quite chatty but i just had so much to say hey <laughs> i did i uh, sadly i am a, a a know-it-all in this subject i don't want to be i don't you know I don't want to be a, a know-it-all in the in that end of the spectrum I want to be on the creatively coping end of the spectrum and i'm on my way i'm on my way it's a it's a A learning experience. It's a process. Absolutely. Yeah. But we'll get there.
0: So how should we sum this up?
1: Do you want to sum it up? I did enough frigging talking. Do this short and sweet, my dear.
0: We did the stressors versus anxiety. And Mm -hmm. then anxiety attacks versus panic attacks. Going into a proper panic disorder and a few metaphors here and there sprinkled with some laughs.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. my sum up. <laughs> she is so good, man. <laughs> that was like 20 seconds. That's amazing. I couldn't even like, say oh, you hello in 20, 20 seconds. actually timed it. That's awesome. No, I didn't, but I should have because that you were able <laughs> to do it is incredible. Look at and just me explaining how you did it took longer <laughs> than your actual explanation. How ridiculous am I? I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. You guys have had your fill of anxiety disorder, panic disorder, agoraphobia, specific phobias, and all of those fun things that I inundated you with today. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. I don't know. (laughs) We
0: are not apologizing. This is something that we set out to do to open up the conversation and keep
1: talking, to
0: normalize and to try to end the stigma around this
1: subject. Exactly. If I can talk about how I froze in a hallway and was a crappy mom in that moment, but redeemed myself in, in another way, then you can too, listeners, because we're stronger than we actually believe. And you know what? You learn ways of coping. The next time that happened, by the way, I threw on some headphones. Yeah, it looks a little weird. It's like the poor kid's like, why are you wearing headphones while I'm boring? Yeah, But you know what? If I can't hear it, at least I could be there. You know, so it's yeah. a way of coping. So we we figure stuff out and that's how we creatively cope and that's why we're here. So don't be afraid to use your voice and don't be afraid of those stories that make you sound less than or not as good as or the things that just like how I shared. I'm not proud of those things, but they're life and we can only learn from them and grow from them. So don't be afraid to speak. And that's how we end the stigma. And that's how we end this episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yes,
0: thank you. And until next time, love, love and, light. and light, beautiful humans. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Creative Copes Podcast. This is a two-person production. Manuscript and editing done by Jen and Mita.
1: Music by Mida. We hope you have enjoyed listening to Creative Copes Podcast. You can check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Pocket Casts, or Radio Public. Please click on follow and accept all notifications for new releases each week. We are on social media sites such as Instagram, creative.copes, Facebook, Creative Copes Podcast. Click follow to see what we are up to. We have a website that contains episodes, descriptions, our blog, Wisdom Walks, and links to things mentioned in our podcast. Our address is creativecopes.wixsite.com forward slash podcast. Click subscribe for all updates here as well. Again, it is creativecopes.wixsite.com forward slash podcast. Sharing is caring, so please feel free to share us on any social media sites, our website, or through your favorite listening platform. Feedback is welcomed and appreciated. Reviews keep us on task and let us know how we're doing. Thank you again for joining us as we navigate our Creative Copes journey, one week at a time. Love and light.